distance Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The last order conversation David Jason Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And returning special guest... All right, David Schneider. David Schneider. Mm-hmm. The, uh, everybody remembers him from this show and, of course, as the plumber on One Day at a Time. Mm-hmm. And, Always flirting with Miss Romano. And who wouldn't? Bonnie... Oh, Jesus. Bonnie... Uh, Franklin. 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 Who is sadly no longer with us. Really? I didn't know that. I also didn't no, know... No, I just mean she's no longer on the podcast. She was going to be... Yeah, yeah. She, oh. she bailed at the last second. Oh, no, I feel like I should bail. She thought we were talking about uh, the sleep cycle. When we're actually talking about uh, R.E.M., this is part of our continuing series of uh, every R.E.M. album, um, and this is Reckoning versus Around the Sun. Um, we're recording these wildly out of order, so this is actually the first one we're recording, which is why I did not give the uh, episode number, because I that's too much math for me. But Reckoning versus Around the Sun, so... Uh, David, your your history with REM, uh, were, did you get into them in the eighties or later? A little bit later on. Um, I, you know, Murmur, I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with uh, their first album. That was what 82, 83? 83, Yeah, I was kind of vaguely uh, knew who they were, but I was, you know, I was very young. I was my, most of my new music was coming from MTV, and REM wasn't really being played on on MTV at the time. When I kind of was introduced was not long after that, though. Uh, it was actually one of the songs we're going to be covering later, but uh, they were on David Letterman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember that, that them being on... I, I watched Letterman religiously, and I, I remember that, that appearance and them playing the song that was... Uh, it hadn't been released it hadn't, yet. Yeah, it hadn't, they didn't have a name for it, which I remember very, very vividly, that, that they didn't even have a name for it yet. And I just I fell in love with the song, and I still love it to this day. So, yeah, we, and we will definitely get to it. Well, I, w- I also wanted to mention uh, David. I think Pat, we looked at at the um, uh, analytics, and when you came on, I think we got the biggest uh, jump in listenership. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back. Yeah, so thanks for coming back. Well, we're hoping it'll happen again. As you know, we don't promote ourselves except to people who already know us. So. Uh, I didn't realize I had that kind of following. Yeah, apparently you do. Apparently people listen to what you say, and uh, and not Pat and I, since we share a lot of similar friends. So, hmm. um, yeah, well, yeah, that's so you you did get into them or become aware of them around the time of this album, which is around perfect. the time of this album, but it wasn't really until a couple years later in college where I became much more of a fan. Yeah, yeah, and you went back and got the the older albums, I'm sure. Exactly. And Pat, I kind of know, I know your history, but the listeners don't. So uh, you were later to the game with R.E.M. Yeah, but somehow these reckoning, I, I was listening to this a lot because listening to this, especially the uh, uh, Don't Go Back to Rockville and South Central Rain, uh, I guess maybe I had them from somewhere else because I specifically remember listening to a lot of it on a train going through Rockville. So I always thought that was really appropriate. But uh, no, I... REM, I listened, my brother had a lot of stuff, so I probably listened to his his copy of Murmur and Reckoning before I really knew what I was listening to, but I didn't really get into them until well after they were popular. So the first REM CD I bought was Out of Time. 
Yeah, well, that was when they hit peak popularity, for sure. Yeah, well, green was when they sold out. Now time was when they really, really sold out. <laughs> yeah, if you want to... Yeah, green was their... I mean, we'll we'll get to green. Not not my favorite album of theirs, uh, for sure. Um, but... I have to say that Automatic for the People was probably... The big... When they were at their height? Probably... I don't know if... The, if popularity, but maybe. I mean, I, I, I think that's probably my favorite discs of theirs, as far as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, when we get to that episode, we're I, that that episode's actually going to be uh, out of time versus automatic for the people. It's like nice. right in the middle where they line up. Um, so please don't talk about that. I'm sorry. I can we go back and re- redo that part? But I think David and I both agree at least that uh, our favorite REM song is on that album, Automatic for the People. Yes. Uh, yeah. What song is that? Uh, should uh, well, yeah? Why not? Night swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a very good song. And, uh, and, but they were doing some, some pretty terrible stuff in that era too. I mean, overall they were good, but you know, there was still the shiny, happy people and, uh, mm-hmm. and other stuff we'll talk about later. We don't need to bring it up on this podcast, I guess. Um, there, there's plenty of horrible stuff we can talk about just during the, what we're talking about. This that, that is true. Absolutely. Well, in the second half for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Reckoning versus Around the Sun. I, I also, Reckoning was when I got into R.E.M. Um, and it's probably just from reading about them in like Cream Magazine or something. Um, what I was surprised when I was going back and researching and looking over uh, some of their history in preparation for the show is I didn't realize that, that Murmur, their first album, was actually pretty big. I mean, I think it said that Rolling Stone named it the album of the year. Yeah, it was a it was a really big deal murmur and i yeah i didn't get into them then well we were both around the same age I, like i was 13 when murmur came out so um i i theoretically could have gotten into them but like you said back then they weren't being played on mtv or the radio so how it's it was more difficult to to find this kind of stuff david when you were growing up did you listen to whfs not until college not until okay yeah i, I wasn't even aware of hfs until until college Oh, are we turning this into a regional uh, episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll let you know when, when you can talk again, John. Thanks. So, HFS. State Street. The weasel. Uh, yeah. Uh, HFS was the local college, not college, but independent alternative radio station in kind of the Maryland, D.C. area. And it was extremely good for a long time. It yeah. For it to, to taper off, but it was good before the whole grunge stuff hit, and it was... Mm-hmm. I think maybe a couple of years after that is when it went down. Terrible. Yeah, and they used to have a, uh, for a while, they had a yearly HF festival. Which uh, is the first concert I ever went to. Oh, really? Which which one? The one with Cracker. I forget who the headliner was, but uh, I don't know what year. So one of the HF festivals at RFK. Did you go to any of them? I did. I went to one with Robin Hitchcock. Um, oh, that's neat. I think Gang of Four was there. Oh, it was, nice. It was a good show, yeah. I was supposed to see in... I, it was 1990 or 91, uh, Public Enemy with Gang of Four, and uh, and they ended up canceling the show for I guess there weren't enough ticket sales. I think that was too weird of a uh, of a mix for people. But uh, we we had a similar station out here, Live 105, which also went to shit after grunge, you know, and and turned into like the Lincoln Park radio station. I don't know what happened to HFS. It was after I left the area, so I don't know if it if it was just all of a sudden, but I don't, I don't think it exists now. I think it went online only. 
Oh, okay. And I don't, I don't even know if that still exists anymore. But I know for a while it was, it was online only. One of the great annoying things about the station was every Saturday night from I think one to four a.m. they had something called Mutant Dance Party, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was it was not their normal scheduled, normal stuff people would listen to. So if you you're someone who listened to it all day, and then had it turned on like you went to sleep and you woke up and you had this just a heavy beat going on in your room. Well, it's uh it is interesting to to think about uh especially now, but um but like Dave and I kind of mentioned back then uh this rem was alternative they were not they were not a top 40 band mm-hmm. but it, it really is shocking that they won album of the year being alternative oh from rem well i mean from rolling stone rolling stone mm-hmm. even then was trying to uh be relevant and they were given you know good grades to like replacements albums and stuff even though they would always have some old classic rock shitbag on their cover um yeah but uh giving good grades is one thing but giving an album of the year that's amazing no yeah no it, it and and it, i would agree with their assessment for for 83 probably with just my memory of it um i'm sorry wait you guys talk for a second i'm gonna look something up uh, okay so, so. <laughs> what should we talk about what did uh, you have for dinner what did i have for dinner um well it's it's only 320 here so i have not actually had dinner yet, but I'll I'll probably have like a hamburger. Oh, that's what, and what about you? I had a hamburger. Did you did, what toppings did you put on your hamburger? I actually cut off a little piece of hot dog and used it as a topping on my hamburger. All right, what, uh, shut your dumb mouths. I found what I'm looking for. Um, 1984. Oh, well, I didn't really, but but there was an album, Billboard Top Hits, 1984, uh, that Rhino put out. Um, so just so we can give people an idea of what was on the radio at this time, uh, as opposed to REM, mm-hmm. uh, Ghostbusters, of course, one of the big hits of that year. By Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah. yeah. Jump for My Love by the Pointer Sisters. Good boy. Uh, Caribbean Queen, Billy Ocean. Mm-hmm. Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Okay. Which for the for the longest time I thought that song was called the Jitterbug because at the beginning they say they do the do the Jitterbug and. I thought there's no way anybody would call a song something as dumb as Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Um, but as usual, I was wrong. Uh, let's hear it for the boy, Karma Chameleon, Hold Me Now, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. So compared to uh, compared to that stuff, R.E.M. was might as well have been uh, Motorhead. Yeah, that list of, of songs is, a, is almost as interesting as, as a cut-up hot dog on a hamburger. Almost. Uh, Not quite. It, it's Not hard quite. to. Oh yeah, now I found I found an even better list. But alternative-wise, there was some really good stuff that year, wasn't there? I mean, '84, you had "Let It Be" by the Replacements. Yes. Uh, Zen Arcade, Who's Do. Um, you had the Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. Uh, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Meat Puppets. So uh, I think right there, the that's sun. that's two two albums we've done on this show. Yeah, yeah. '84 was a. Well, it's it's also because that was kind of my banner year for coming into alternative music i think that's when i really got out of uh, the heavy metal and into the the underground stuff so uh and reckoning was among those let's not forget uh purple rain which is actually a great album from that year mm-hmm, absolutely uh, but we can we cannot speak too much of prince or we will get sued um, i don't think i realized that the purple rain was that far back in the 80s it's yep, funny 84 so it was uh born in the usa Huh. You had your your Cindy Lauper, um, Van Halen, of course, with their mm-hmm. al- eponymous out. Al- well, not eponymous. The 
album named for the year, 1984. Um, so a lot of shit. And uh, REM was was an actual alternative. I just I only keep repeating that because I think for like a lot of younger people like that I work with and stuff, they can't they can't really process that. They grew up with REM as being the everybody hurts band or whatever. Mm. Um, but there was a time they were kind of the part of the holy trinity of the uh, the American underground with with the replacements and Husker Du aforementioned of uh, guitar rock at least and maybe the Minutemen. Um, well, then it wouldn't be a trinity anymore. <sighs> and which one's Jesus? Well, oh, and and well, R- I would say REM would be the Holy Ghost because they're kind of. They're kind of spectral. Um, I don't know what the hell the Holy Ghost is. Um, I guess Jesus would probably be the replacements. You know, he was always because he was always doing kind of pranks, like uh, turning water into wine and like driving spikes through his hand and stuff, kind of funny things like that. And then, uh, so that would make God uh, who's Uh two thirds gay. No, that works for me. Yeah, makes sense. Back to reckoning. So, so let's. Let's go to it. Uh, Pat, since you were not really, you were, you're younger than David and I, so there was no chance you were going to be into this album when it came out. But um, how does it stand up alongside the REM albums you like? Oh, it's awesome. It stands up fine. It, the, the great songs are really great, and the, the songs that aren't as great are just still really good. So I like it. And I, I, like I said, I wasn't into it at the time, and I, I don't remember how I got I heard it because I don't remember ever owning it, but I knew a lot of the songs, so it's kind of funny to hear it now and think that I had never heard it before. But I'd heard at least half of the songs before, which is fun. So it's really good. Yeah, maybe you maybe you had heard like Eponymous or something like that that great, greatest hits from their um, oh that's like IRS probably. era because I had I, South Central I, Rain and Don't Go Back to Rockville. I, I think pr- that's probably what happened. I think my brother probably had that because I, what I used to do is go to his house and take all the CDs I liked and made t- tapes of songs from it. And then I'd listen to the tapes when I was going places. And so that's probably what it was. And that's how they were on there. Would you actually break into his house to do this? Well, how else are you going to get stuff done? True. That is the Oakland way. I didn't know it was the Philadelphia way. Um, and you, David, how do you think it, it holds up? Very well, very well. It's, it's, I still listen to it from time to time, and it's, it, it's, it's, it, there aren't that many albums that I'll put on and listen all the way through more than a couple times, but this is, this is one of them. Yeah. There's, I, there's no bad songs. Exactly. There's, there's really not. Um, I think actually at the end of, of uh, this episode... Um, for the the last song, you know, the the ending song, I'll put uh, the pavements, power of the unseen picket fence, or whatever the hell it's called. Um, do you guys know that one? It, no. It's a song all about this album, Reckoning, and and like the kind of if there's any kind of chorus, it's it's a time after time was my least favorite song, uh, <laughs> which I I might agree with, but uh, still a good song. Mm-hmm. Actually, that or or. Uh, Seven Chinese Brothers, uh, w- those two would be my my picks for maybe the weakest, but still both really good. And uh, they put out like a another IRS IRS hits uh, package in like 2006, and they included time after time on it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just to get back at pavement or if they really liked <laughs> liked the song. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think straight through it's it's listenable. Um, even like camera, which is kind of dirgy, is really good. Um, but let's get to uh, we'll go in order. So so my pick for this album, we each picked uh, a song to talk about. My pick was Harbor Coat, first song on the album, which um, which is like a a deep cut, I guess. Although I think it could have easily been a single. Mm-hmm. I I just think the guitar sounds really cool. the The drums are good. I like the uh, it's an REM thing, and also later a, a Sleater Kenny thing to have uh, Michael Stipe singing one thing and Mike Mills singing something completely different underneath him. Yeah, which I've always really dug. I think it, it, it always works. They, well, with them, it works out very well. Yeah, it adds a lot of complexity to the to the song. I, like I have no idea what Mike Mills is saying right at all. <laughs> but you barely have any idea what uh, Michael Stipe's saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is another one of you know the the prototypical REM songs. I mean, they're they're known for not really having hooks, and I think this is a good example of it. That it's it's a very listenable song. It's 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 enjoyable, but it's not really something you're going to go around humming. Right. No, it's just something that kind of gets embedded in your psyche. Mm. That's, um, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than than getting like like not like an earworm, but you know you know it's a kind of on a deeper level i think yeah um well let's uh let's go ahead and play a bit of harbor coat here's harbor coat guys Some words about your choice. I picked. Uh, you know, I've never been able to, to, to tell. Is it is it pronounced South Central Rain? Because it's it's S O period Central Rain. I'm assuming just from living in the South, you know, South Central Bell. I'm assuming that that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, anyway, uh, obviously my pick is South Central Rain, and it was the song I was referencing in in the opening where. They played it in 1983, before the album was even released. They played it on The Letterman Show. They came out, they played Radio Free Europe. Right. And then they talked to Letterman a bit, and then they were going to play another song, and Letterman asked them about it, and they said, well, it's, it, it doesn't even have a name yet. 
and it was from the new album that hasn't come out yet. And they played South Central Rain, and I, I instantly fell in love with the song. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. Um, it, contrary to what I said about them being known for not really having hooks, I think this one does. Uh, I think this one's a very catchy hook, and it's just, it's, it's just always been one of my favorite songs by them. Yeah, I, I love it. And John was talking about how the, the songs stick with you, and this, this one really does with me. I mean, I still am hearing right now, I'm sorry, over and over again. It's, and it's in a good way. Yeah. I, I love this song. And it's, it's, I guess they never really could figure out what to name it, so South Centering, parentheses, I'm sorry. It's a very Canadian song. Very Canadian? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Well, then it would have an sorry. extra. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, well, I totally agree with both of you guys. Uh, I, I think we've talked before on this show, Pat. Um, I'm not a huge ballad fan. Like I feel like a lot of times they end up being uh, sappy by their nature, and it's hard to, hard. They're hard, very hard to pull off good ballads. Um, but this is an excellent ballad. So this would be a ballad. I, I don't think I, I would have I thought of I kind of consider it a ballad, uh, mm-hmm. at least compared to, like, Pretty Persuasion or Harbor it, Code. Or, yeah, it's not very up-tempo. Yeah. It's, it's prettier rather than... Angry. Ang- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... Uh, yeah, this is obviously uh, one of R.E.M.'s high points of their early years. Let's, let's give a listen to South Central Lane. Before we go to your song, Pat, um, I was—I actually had a lot of trouble picking from this album because, as as you guys said, it's pretty much solid all the way through. Um, I I like uh, Little America, the last song on it. I really like. I could have I could have picked. Um, I like Second Guessing, which is short and and punchy. Um, but but I went with Harbor Coat. You guys went with the 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 other more obvious choices, I guess. But but obvious because they're super great songs um and yours too pat i feel has somewhat of a ballad feel to it uh you want to talk about it um uh, it's an amazing song I, I i picked it because what i talked about kind of the memory of sitting in a train feeling so loving the song and then thinking about the the fact that we're passing rock bell i'm like oh should i get not go back just 
just stupidly making it about me, but I just like I like the song already, but I like the time and place of it too. That I was listening to it when I was actually in Rockville, and then I did not know the history of the song until we were doing this episode, and I looked it up. It's kind of kind of neat. Uh, yeah, Mike Mills wrote it to to a girlfriend who was moving back to Rockville from Athens, and there's actually a pretty interesting article written by that girl Ingrid Soar. She wrote it like. 10 years ago talking about what was happening and how the the story of the song has has gotten its own life and tales about her that don't make sense and aren't true have have been told in many biographies and it's pretty it's a pretty interesting little essay if you get a chance to read it where did you find it uh it's, it's i just did a search for her name and it was one of the first things that showed up ingrid shorts it's on some site called highlowbrow.com just do a search for her name and you'll find it well, is Girl, her last name Spelled like the uh, deodorant? Sure. I didn't know that. Oh, no. S-C-H-O-R-R. Oh, okay. Got it's it. a very literal song for R.E.M. Extremely that's, literal, yeah. That's one of the things that she mentioned in, in her essay is that Mike Mills was a very, I forget the word she used, but very, uh, what he said is what he meant. And the, the song the song was a very literal song, yeah. Yeah, he, he's obviously more direct than Michael Stipe. Um Harbor coat, I don't even, I mean, I guess that's a coat you wear at the harbor, but I, there, nothing makes sense about that song. Uh, well, the, the, the important thing, though, did, did it work? Did she actually end up going back to Rockville? She did. I don't think she stayed with him, but she mm. did go back. My brother lived in Rockville for a little while. He went back. <laughs> and uh, for those of us who don't know, Rockville is in Maryland. Yeah, or, it's a suburb of D.C. Okay. I didn't know if it was the Maryland one or uh, the one on Jupiter. There's no factories there. In Maryland or on Jupiter? Both. Hmm. I, I don't think that's true. I think there are plenty of factories on Jupiter. That's where they mine our uh, sweet, sweet pop rocks. I hate to disagree with you, but they have things that are similar to factories, but they don't call them that. They call them pop rock mines? Or Zuzuplex. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, damn Jupiterians! Wait, are there is really uh, Rockville not a factory town? Like, no, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a suburb, a Levittown kind of. Th- well, I don't know if it's an actual Levittown, but that kind of thing. It's not. I, I, I maybe yeah, I'm wrong. To it. No, you're right. It's kind of small. It's a kind of small towny feeling. Yeah. Okay, so the the line you'll wind up in some factory is kind of out of nowhere. Right. It's right. just the dude. It's Mike Mills trying to. He's probably never actually been to Rockville. Right. He's just trying to come up with excuses for her not to go. Yeah. And uh, she's, she wasn't even from there, which makes it more fun. that she's, She was from Georgia and moved there when she was 16. Anyway, it's an interesting essay, but it's a great song. It is. Um, it holds up. I think I think if it was on a new, a new CD now, people would like it. Mm-hmm. Almost a, almost a country song. Oh, very. On this, it's the, it's it's stands out as as really really country for, especially compared to the rest of the CD. Yeah, and as you said, the lyrics are are a model of clarity uh, for compared to pretty much all the early REM stuff. Um, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I was just looking at the the wiki page for Reckoning that the two singles from Reckoning were South Central Rain and Don't Go Back to Rockville because they are the two songs that kind of stand out as being a little more hooky than, than your, your typical R.E.M. song. Well, and also, I mean, I would say probably uh, South Central Rain is the second most direct song, at least 
you can you can get a sense of what the emotion's about in that song. Right. Very true. Sorrow. Anyway, let's have a listen to "Don't Go Back to Rockville." Here we go. Looking at your watch a third time, waiting in the station for the bus. I don't know if you guys want to talk about anything else on the album or not. Just in general, I like to talk about how how I'm. I think I'm surprised by how nostalgic I feel listening to REM. I don't think I realized how much of a part of my, of my youth it was. Their music. Oh, I did realize for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's very much takes me back to college. Yeah, it takes me it takes me back to high school for sure. Um, yeah, it takes me back to like later years of high school and into college. I didn't listen to it. It's it's a it's a weird thing because I didn't listen to it with friends. I kind of listened to it by myself. I didn't really have friends that were into REM, so it's just 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 it's it's more of a time than people. Yeah, I think I've I've talked about this before too, but you know we don't have very many uh, repeat listeners to this podcast, so I'll tell it again. Um, David's the only one, and he's here, so it's okay. Yeah, I th- I think uh, I I used to put like REM songs on mixtapes that I would make for people, and and uh, it would it would not go over well in some cases. People really would hate his voice and could not stand the fact that uh, the words weren't enunciated or whatever, <laughs> and the music just sounded weird to them, which is is funny to think about today but back then as i said it really it really was something different than what what people in the suburbs were used to hearing who are you giving these 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 mixtapes to homeless people (laughs) well in some cases um which was probably a bad idea because they didn't have walkmans um and 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 they tried to eat it yeah they were like trying to pick it up through the fillings in their teeth like they did with the radio and uh, thanks ronald reagan uh, don't don't get me started, David. Uh, don't you guys think that Ronald Reagan was the 1980s version of Obama? Just a big screw up. Mm. Now, see, now you're gonna get sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, I, I, 
<laughs> they both. Uh, no, no, let's not. We, we are our, our hatred. Yeah, we well. heading down a dangerous path. I think. <laughs> I agree. There was one kid in high school who was a huge REM fan, and I used to sit with him in chemistry or biology, one of those useless classes, and we'd talk about music, and there was a third guy who would once in a while join in, and I would sit back while they had a a debate about which was better, REM or the third guy's favorite band, which was Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that's they're not really all that comparable. No, but they still debated which was better. Yeah, it's it's like... win. I I always rooted for REM, but I, I wasn't the moderator. It was just those two and nobody else. Mm. So, I, one day we, I came in the class after the, the Doors movie had just come out, and the, the Led Zeppelin fan was like, I can't wait for the Led Zeppelin movie to come out. It's going to be so much better than that. <laughs> That's the kind of conversations he would have about Led Zeppelin. And that has never materialized. Uh, there yeah. was a Led Zeppelin movie. It's called, uh, it was a, The Song Remains the Same. Probably the most boring rock documentary or, or concert movie uh, ever made by anybody. And uh, if you knew nothing about rock and roll and saw that, you would think it was terrible. So I think that kid was wrong, is what I'm saying. I think R.E.M. wins. I think his point was that the, their their off-the-stage goings on was really super interesting. and he wanted, he wanted to watch a movie about it. Right, like the Hammer of the Gods book made into a movie. Um, yeah, no, I did not give these mixtapes to homeless people exclusively. I gave them to... Mostly, you know, girls I mm. had crushes on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that did, obviously none of them ever dated me. Uh, but yeah, any any other songs or or anything on this album that stick out for any reason? Um, you know, I mean, Pretty Persuasion was another favorite from the from the disc. Yep, it was. You know, had that great beat and that kind of jangly uh, guitar guitar work jangly rockin' guitar. Yeah, it's his kind of birds thing going on. Yeah, we should, I mean, I think we should mention, I think none of us are, are really musicians, but... Uh, you are, right? You play drums. Well, exactly, I'm not a musician. I play drums. Uh, I, I played guitar when I was in my teens, but I, I wouldn't exactly call me a musician. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that about you, David. Yeah, yeah I played, played uh, quite extensively in my teen years. Wow. I was never, I was never very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I got good at sounding like other people, but I was never able to kind of develop my own style or write anything, really. So I, I got frustrated and gave up. Oh, do you think you could pick it up today and, uh, and do anything with it? Yeah, I still, I still have a guitar here. I pick it up every once in a while. Oh, nice. Well, I, are, we, I was, are, we, are we forming a band right here on the podcast? Is that, is that what, what's happening? Uh, yeah. I, John, I, uh, Pat, you can, can you play the tambourine? No, but I'll try. That's all, that's all you really need in a, in a band. It's someone who will try. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do the singing? Hmm. I was well, hoping it was John. Well, we're, maybe we'll get, to, uh, we'll get somebody from one of the other REM podcasts to be the singer. Uh, we don't need a bass. I think those people are all crazy anyway. Um, but, well, my point was, I think, uh, I think they're, they're really impressive musicians. I especially like uh, Peter Buck's guitar um, like you said, David the Jangly, but what I really liked is that he was, unlike, say, Led Zeppelin, um, he was very tasteful, never show-offy. But it sounded really cool. Like, I don't know if his stuff's difficult to play or not, but it sounds cool. And you, you said you saw them in, uh, live, right? Yeah, a few times, yeah. I never got to see them. I saw, actually, Peter Buck play with Robin Hitchcock. Yeah. Never got to see R.E.M. live. 
Oh, they were, I mean, they were really good live. You, as you would expect from, from a band that had been around that long. I mean, I, but, but they were good back in the eighties too, live. They're just, they're a lot looser than, than you would think. And, uh, I, go ahead. I, I read a quote of Mike Mills on Wikipedia where he said that basically they did recordings so they could do live shows. That's all they really wanted to do. Yeah, they were a lot of fun live, um, more than you would expect. You know, they'd throw in weird covers and. Um, That's another thing I want to ask. That there's on this the same Wiki, or another Wikipedia page about Reckoning. They said there's a reissue, IRS vintage reissue in '92, that included a cover of Moon River. Have you ever heard that? Yep, of course. Um, uh, they and they just recently digitally released. A, uh, it's a good time to be an REM fan. They just released. Um, well, the unplugged sessions, and then they released um, the complete IRS rarities, um, which contains uh, the Moon River, and the complete Warner Brothers rarities. So, like you know, it's a bunch. Of, I mean, it's mostly B sides and and outtakes, but uh, it's, that's cool. Yeah, there's a lot here's of, here's a little something you never know about David. For a very brief time, I worked for IRS Records. Really? Well, IRS merchandise. Wow. Yeah. I, I also never knew that David referred to himself in the third person. But so David does things. every once in a while, yes. Oh, I thought that was me talking. Oh, that would have been confusing. Jimmy's getting mad. What did you do? Wait, you worked for IRS merchandising? Yeah, this was long. I mean, this was shortly after I moved to L.A. Uh, I just worked in like their their shipping department. You know, getting people would order T-shirts or or records or little books, and I would mail them out. It was very exciting. Well, oh, did I didn't you, even know they still existed by that point. I thought they but, closed up shop in like the early nineties. Well, this would have been this would have been yeah early to mid nineties, so it might have oh, been. Oh, okay. Before, I yeah. don't think I realized you got there so early. Yeah, I did meet uh, what's his name a couple times. Copeland, uh, Miles Copeland. Yeah, he used to come around every once in a while. Oh, crazy! Mm-hmm. Did so? Did you get to score any uh, free merch from there? I think I did, but I couldn't tell you what. Like, oh. I think I had some T-shirts and. Stuff like that, but it's nothing, nothing crazy. You got to date uh, Oingo Boingo. Yeah, once or twice. It didn't really, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, well, I group mean, who, dates never do. Yeah. No, no. And who didn't date them really back, back in that, in that mm. time? Yeah. Working for IRS or not? Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, was it a, was it a cool place? What was, what the hell was Miles Copeland like? Dictatorial, he would seem to me, but I don't know what I base that on. I don't think I ever knew him enough or was directly involved with him enough to really get a sense of that. He would just kind of come come through. The one thing, I mean, when I say I worked there briefly, I mean, really, it was like a Christmas season, like the the, the holiday rush. Oh, so it was like, like December 24th? No, it was, it was a good three months up until then. Oh, okay. But the one thing I do remember is I was there so briefly, but then they had their Christmas party, which I was not only invited to, I was given the same Christmas bonus, the same Christmas present that all the other employees got, which I thought was, was really nice, even though I wasn't a, a full-time employee. That's awesome. That is nice. I mean, that, yeah, that doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thanks, right. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. So. So that's your, uh, well. That's, that's my IRS. So, so back, to, uh, back to IRS as it relates to REM. Yes, uh, my my favorite period. I know a lot of people disagree. Um, I don't think it's fair to say that just because an artist goes to a major label, they've sold out. But uh, mm-hmm. but I, Green was not a great album. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't their high point, but it wasn't their low point either. No, that's true. We, we'll we'll get to their low point uh, coming up soon. Um, 
the, the so Green was the first non-IRS album. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it's not as if IRS was like all that independent either. Let's be real. Um, they had they had major they had distribution through I don't know who MCA or something. I I don't remember. Um, but they were like a a major minor label more than a strict indie. Because weren't weren't like the Go Go's on IRS? I believe they were. Yeah. 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 So I mean some. Pretty major names. I think um, even think Fine um, Young Cannibals were IRS too. Yeah, Fine Young Cannibals. Oh. Yep. Um, and uh, also Ugly Old Herbivores, if I'm not mistaken. But you guys want to take a break uh, before we go to Around the Sun? Sure. Sounds good. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. And we're back with uh, Around the Sun. Uh, we're all really of, excited to talk about Around the Sun. Uh, by you know, all accounts, the worst album they made. But sorry, what were you going to say, David? I was actually going to, gonna, when, when you introduced the songs and said, hey, let's give a listen to this, I always get a little scared that you're expecting us to, to sing it. Oh, I should have, yeah, I should have warned you as I do most of our guests uh, for for that. It just means we be quiet so I can insert the song in post. That's, um, that's really good because so I, I really, I can't sing. Uh, I don't think any of us can. But now that we know you can play the guitar, we'll just say, now David will play Electron Blue on his guitar. And it, the, the the only thing I will play is the, the riff to Aqualung. <laughs> Damn, I wish I had a, I wish I had, not a flute, but what do you play when you're a kid in class? Uh, recorder. recorder. Yeah. Oh, man, we could have, we could have had the jam session of, of all podcasts, David. Mm-hmm. Next time. I don't even know how Aqualung goes. <laughs> You'll notice how we're avoiding talking about Around the Sun. When when we're going to Jethro Tull, <laughs> instead, you know something's up. Yeah, there's something wrong with this album. Well, but, it's just like it's it's just so bleh. It's not even worth hating. Exactly, I, I, it's not unlistenable. It's not bad. It's just it's it's just there. I feel like there are 13 songs that are are mediocre and would be just fine on another REM album where it, it's among great songs. But when it's 13 songs that are all mediocre, you can't wait to get to the end. That's a great way of saying it. It's like it's an, it's an album full of filler. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's aural wallpaper. And um, I think if it was from someone who wasn't REM, I wouldn't. I would have less negative things to say about it. But it's them, so yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I I don't know. There's some you know there's some speculation that when Bill Berry left, uh, that was. That was the soul of REM for for whatever reason. Uh, just is this the first non-Bill Berry? No, no. no. Uh, so that Up was the first one without Bill Berry, and then Reveal, and then this one. Um, 
So it's the third without him. But uh, a lot of people thought that it was a pretty precipitous decline, um, the albums after he left, which uh, having revisited them for this series we're doing, uh, I don't I don't entirely agree with. Uh, so some of, um, some of them what are was better. the last one he worked on? Uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Okay. Which was a pretty good. Pretty good album. Yeah, yeah. pretty good late period mm-hmm. REM album. Um, but then, yeah, Up and Reveal. Reveal was a tiny step above Around the Sun, but still very just because it, it was at least more of a, they're trying to do a Pet Sounds thing with it. Um, but it was still kind of easy listening music, which which this is as well. I, I well feel please like. don't talk about that. It's not for this episode. Uh, you're right, Pat. I, what am I, in God's name am I thinking? You'll get it in post. Uh, yeah. I feel really good saying that in front of David since he, he knows what that means and I don't. <laughs> Fix it in post. Yeah. yeah I Dave, just think you're talking about a fence. David's whole life is fixing things in post. Yeah. We, we hate those. We hate that phrase. Do you? Oh, yeah. Fix it in post? Yeah. Oh, because I mean... You know, I, get I it right on set. Work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> get it in camera. All right, you're, you're going way too technical for me now. Slow yeah. down, David. Camera is the thing that captures the image. And for our listeners who don't know, I, I, I do, but for our listeners who don't know, what an image is... It's, okay, when you look at something and you see it... Oh, I'm, I'm getting lost. Let's, let's talk about... Uh, all right, let's talk about my pick, um, because I included the singles before the album came out. Uh, thankfully, because I actually like this song. Um, and I remember there being some talk when, when this single came out and Animal um, on In Time, the best of R.E.M., which was a, a compilation that they released uh, a year before Around the Sun, uh, that, that the next R.E.M. album was going to be very a return to uh, rock, the rock sound. And then this, I heard this, and I was like, oh, cool. Well, it'll be, it'll be good to hear their return to rock, which... Uh, Apparently, they just took a shit on that idea because that did not happen. But uh, this this song is really it, it's it, it would go well with it's it's the end of the world. It's a really fun, fast song, very rocky. Yeah, and I think it, I I told you guys it was originally uh, a demo um, they recorded as a demo for Life's Rich Pageant in 1986, mm-hmm. and then they they like changed some of the words and and reworked it um, to release it in 2003. But I believe the original demo um, actually had some lines that ended up in It's the End of the World as We Know It. Oh. Okay. I, I can hear that. You can hear there's some similarities between the songs. Yeah. But it, it, I thought it was not, I mean, especially after Reveal and Up at the time, um, I thought it was, I was glad to hear this song just because it had some kind of kick-ass guitar and, mm-hmm. and it rocked and there was a melody, you know, that wasn't that wasn't sugar-coated and bland. So um, so I was cool. What do you guys think of the, the song? It's great. I like it. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's far better than anything else or anything on the actual album. It's, it, it's got a driving beat. It's, it's energetic. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun listen. Yeah. Well, let's, let's play it uh, <coughs> before we, before well, we did you, did you guys people see with the... Around the Sun tracks. What were you going to say? Did you see the picture of the cover for the song? Mm-hmm. On the, if you go to Wikipedia, it's kind of funny. It's bad day. A bad day. They're yeah, all, they're like newscasters. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the single cover. Yeah, it's it is cool. Um, much cooler than Around the Sun. So here's Bad Day. 
David, uh, you got your guitar ready? I'm ready. All right. Here, can you give me a count in? Sure. Four, seven, nine, thirty-six. Here you go, guys. A public service announcement followed me home the other day. I paid it, never mind. Go away. Shit so thick you can stir with a stick. Free Teflon whitewash presidency. We're sick of being jerked around. Wear that on your sleeve. Broadcast me a joyful noise into the times. Lord, count your blessings. We're sick of being jerked around. We all fall down. Have you ever seen the televising brightest subcommittee prize? Investigation dance. Those ants and pants. Glances right look behind the eyes. It's a hallowed hollow anesthetized. Take my own and screw these guys Smoke and mirror lock down Broadcast me a joyful noise into the times Lord, count your blessings The papers wouldn't lie I sign not one more It's been a bad day Please don't take a picture It's been a bad day Please It's been a bad day Please don't take a all right, that was bad. Yeah, day. It even has that kind of drum opening that that uh, uh, it's the end of the world has. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the demo version was even even more so. Hmm. So uh, anyway, well, that's that's the end of the the enjoyable stuff to talk about. Uh, let's delve into the. It, I I I I have a hard time imagining. I mean, these guys who have produced some really great music, sitting in the studio, finishing this album, and listening to playback, and and being satisfied with it. You know what I mean? It's not again. It's not aggressively bad. There's just there's nothing interesting on this on this disc. No, there's not. Um, and I can't believe that they didn't hear that and they didn't see that. I wonder if they were just in a place where. I don't know. I feel like Michael Stipe was so obsessed with this drug he made up that he was ha- he was happy with the whole thing. What and what drug is this you're talking about? Electron Blue. Oh Jesus! Is that your way of segueing into this? No, it's, oh, that's <laughs> I just think it's, it's such a weird song. <laughs> it is a it's it's and a I, weird. And song. I always think of Michael Stipe is a little bit different from the rest of the band, and I always thought it was not weird, but just just funny how different he was from the other guys. Like I, I could see him liking this, and the other guy saying it's kind of shit. But him thinking, no, it's great. Yeah, you know? I can, I could kind of see Stipe doing that too. Um, I mean, I also see him as telling people not to get vaccinations. Really? You, th- you think Stipe's an anti-vaxer? Well, just compared to the other guys, he's the only <laughs> one that would be. Yeah, poss- possibly so. Um, yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't go that. He's too liberal to be an anti-vaxer. Um, but I do have I have a friend who met REM on the Reckoning tour. In fact, um, after uh, after the show, I guess, and and I guess Michael he said uh, Peter Buck was talking to him because uh, my friend was wearing a, a monkeys shirt, the monkeys, the band, and mm-hmm. Peter Buck was like, oh, I fucking love the monkeys, and they were talking about the monkeys for a while, and uh, I guess Michael Stipe came up and he was on crutches, and, and my friend asked him what happened, and uh, Michael Stipe said he he was, went swimming in the ocean and. Uh, 
he got bitten and my friend was like oh like a, a stingray or something or jellyfish he's like no the ocean it bit me and my friend was just like all right let's return to peter buck <laughs> that's a great story <laughs> yeah and it's it's in no way not believable <laughs> oh no i totally believe no absolutely um yeah uh, this this whole era of of rem um and enunciating and and i michael stipe actually went more of the mike mills route and was more direct with his lyrics which i don't think necessarily is why you were impressed with michael stipe's uh lyrics in the first place mm-hmm. I, I don't think you know i just think it's very the, the same thing kind of happened with bono where where i feel like he we've talked about pat he at one point wrote uh, more poetic stuff and then it just got to kind of like bumper sticker rhetoric level you know feel good whatever you know uh, yeah at, at his best michael stipe even when you didn't quite know what he was talking about or maybe didn't even quite totally understand what he was saying it was all it was interesting to listen to it had a certain cadence that was enjoyable to listen to yeah it was, even just the sound of the words yeah on mm-hmm. this album, yeah, exactly. The sounds of the words were just interesting, and and here it's it's just kind of bromides and yeah, mm-hmm. um, positivity. You know, it's like almost an est seminar. Not not all the way through, but <laughs> but yeah, not uh, not not what people of our age got into REM for in the first right. place. Um, well, and, what what age people did they get into REM for around the sun? Well, yeah, I. That's a good question. I don't think anybody. I don't think they won any new listeners with this album. I mean, I can't imagine. Maybe in some alternative universe, this is their best album. Uh, yeah, and that, that's it's the, what got them elected group president. Yeah, that's that's the uh, the same. Never mind. I'm not going to go back into Reagan. Um, so, Electron Blue was your pick, Pat, uh, just because it was a song on the album, and you threw a dartboard at the list of song titles, um, I assume. I, I liked it, I think, more than the others. It had an interesting sound. It wasn't great, but it was interesting. Plus, it has an interesting story that he he it made him... It gave him his character for the tour, I guess, where he... It says it says that he painted his a blue band across his eyes for the tour, and that's based on this song. Oh, well, I guess that explains the blue band when I saw them on this tour. You thought he just had some kind of uh, skin condition? I, just, I, I just was just like, oh, it's, there's Michael Stipe uh, <laughs> acting like a baboon again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about the song. It's, uh, it's, you know, I guess it would work. Uh, it would, it would be like nice uh, music to play in the background on Virgin America when they're like telling you how to work your uh, safety belts and shit. But otherwise, it doesn't do a lot for me. Um, David, anything? And no, I, I think it probably could have used the out of place verse from Q-Tip, but oh, as as the the outsiders did, yeah, they, it was never a good idea when they had rappers on. No, radio song didn't really work either. No, it <laughs> did. and I mean, to be to be fair, they had good taste in rappers, Q-Tip sure. and and uh, KRS-One, but yeah, that's that's not really what rem is about and we'll talk about it on the out of time album don't yell at me pat uh but i thought radio song like from the beginning notes on the guitar i i was like oh this is a gonna be a great song and then it gets into the weird fake funk thing and i, I was out yeah and then the the rap just was the cherry on top but uh yeah. 
the outsiders not quite as bad but also in a way not as good because it's it's also just more blandness yeah exactly um at least radio songs memorable do you remember the band too much joy of course love yeah, too much joy the uh, krs1 did a uh a, a rap on one of their songs oh yeah what what uh it was on serial the, killers the ba- right? bad kill i think bad kill the one, yeah the one about the good, death good penalty? kill yeah. good kill yes the one about the death penalty yeah yeah that's a that's a great early 90s album, Serial Killers. Yeah, their first two were stellar albums. Yep. Uh, first one, Son of Sam I Am, great mm-hmm. name. Yep. Actually, I think they had one called Green Eggs and Crack before that that was uh, that was super indie. That yeah, and I think there was one that was, I think it was tentatively called, but was not ended up being called, uh, Don't Worry, Be Arthur. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> but... Uh, Again, so serial killers was was C E R E A L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, and a far better album than Around the Sun. Absolutely. Do not waste your money if you're gonna if you're on iTunes, uh, buy Serial Killers, not Around the Sun. But we'll listen to uh, Electron Blue. Um, try not to fall asleep because we are gonna be back in in what will probably seem like an eternity, but will only be about a minute and a half. Uh, here's Electron Blue. You're on your ear, the ocean's near The light has started to fade Your highest time, you found the climb It's hard to focus on more than what's in front of you Electron blue, adventure Mercifully, finally, we only picked uh, two songs from this album, and, and this is your pick, David. So, you want to talk about it? Not really. No. All right. Um, but yeah, everybody. I mean, to me, it was uh, we're, we're uh, it was a high speed train. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I to me, it was the most musically interesting song on an album of not very musically interesting songs. It, it just it felt like it did something a little different than than any of the other songs on here. It had kind of a different beat, a little bit different work with the guitar, but you know, again, nothing. Yeah, the it's it's definitely uh, got a darkness to it that the rest of the album doesn't have. Which is probably why I took to it. Yeah. Yeah, which I can appreciate. And yeah, the guitar is kind of used for coloring, and like there's this kind of this like squelching feedbacky sound, although it's not rock. Right by any by any means, but right, it it, it, feels, it does have a certain edge that the the rest of the album lacks. Yeah, it's got an artiness to it, I guess. Um, no, I I agree. Although I had to go back and re-listen to it after you picked it because it didn't stick out in my mind. Um, 
from the first couple listens to the album. Like, there were songs that I remembered after listening to once, and I, I heard again, um, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, there's one, The Ascent of Man, where he, he just kind of caterwauls, yeah, 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 for the mm. chorus, and it, it really grated on me, but it stuck with me. Um, so I guess it falls into the catchy, annoying category. Yeah. But so the opposite of South Central Rain. The exact opposite, yeah. Right. Yeah, this whole album's kind of the opposite of South Central Rain. <laughs> Every song is behead. You know, you know who I really blame, actually? I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, probably blame Michael Stipe, but you know who I really think is responsible for the, the blandness of this particular album? Tell us. DeWitt Burton. Brother of Joyce DeWitt. No, DeWitt Burton. He's credited with technical assistance on the album, and I think uh, clearly his technical assistance was just not assistance enough. It, nor was it very technical. Uh, no. The bat phone's ringing. That wasn't me. God damn it, Pat. Pat? Trying to do a serious podcast here. Global ramifications. If that's DeWitt Burton, I swear to God. Oh, yeah, DeWitt. Well, how can you trust him? Did we lose Pat? I I was gone for most of the DeWitt Burton conversation, but now I'm back. You didn't miss anything. No, nobody's missing anything with DeWitt Burton. You know what? Fuck you, DeWitt Burton. Fuck you. Uh, And with that, let's listen to uh, whatever the hell this song is. High Speed Train. Here you go. Sun. Did you say we dude it? Was, is that bad grammar? I, I, I just go by the text I get. I, that's how I figure people speak now. Language is fluid. It's always changing. Um, so you know, I can has say dude it. Irregardless of that. Oh, not a word. God, that drives me crazy, and Pat knows it. Uh. So we done? Is that uh, we got we got uh, around the sun out of the way? Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that uh, that you had to do around the sun, but you know if we, you did get to do reckoning, so. Yeah. No. And, and, I mean, as as not fun as it was to listen to, um, there, there's something to be said about comparing a good one to a bad one. You know, it's it gets a, a bit of a dynamic rather than, you know, just and 40 minutes of nonstop praise. Right. And. <laughs> And doing this, like trying to get guests for this, if 
if we would have done it uh, in chronological order, like first versus second album, like nobody would want to sign up for the later albums. Right. You know who's going to do Reveal versus Around the Sun? So uh, I think it was this was the only way we could do it. And uh, that was just the luck of the draw with you that you got Around the Sun. But as bad as we've talked about Around the Sun, I don't think it is as bad as I've said. I think it's a little bit better, but it's still bad. And as great as we talked about Reckoning, I think Reckoning is a little bit better than we said. You're probably right. Probably right. I don't think we give Reckoning enough praise. And and again, I I reiterate, Around the Sun is not, it's not like it's offensively bad. Like if if you made me sit down and listen to it, it's not like I'd be clawing your eyes out. out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's compared to the rest of the REM oeuvre, it's just very bland and not interesting. Uh, for for those of our listeners who don't know French, ouvre means egg. Mm-hmm. We. Oui. May we. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it. No, I agree. It's just, it's it's uh, terrible in comparison to reckoning, for yes. sure. Um, but well but, said. But it is not. It's not Limp Biscuit. Like. Right. Yeah. Who will be doing our next podcast on? Let's hope so. Fred Durst. Actually, I think it would be fun to do a top ten. You're, you did that Billboard top ten. If we did the Billboard top ten of, of one year versus the Billboard top ten of right now, I think that would be a fun episode. <laughs> I just wanted to see how long I could let the silence go. <laughs> I thank you for playing along, David. I was, <laughs> I was thinking maybe you get nervous. Now, look, are you getting back at me now, Pat? <laughs> I was just waiting for an answer. I didn't <laughs> no. want to interrupt you. Well, that's that's our dynamic. I, I, you know, I hate to have to tell people, but people are always like, "You got you're mean to Pat," but um, I, th- that is true. It's it's partly because of my great hatred for him, but also, um, I, it's just it's just funny to to pretend to be mad at Pat, and it's usually when uh, when I feel like laughing. That uh, that I'll start getting surly. I just want people to know the the real deal. I had a couple it, questions for you. Oh, go ahead, David. Sorry. I was, gonna, I was just noticing Entertainment Weekly actually gave Around the Sun a B minus. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> hate to see what they give an F. Well, I think if you look at that list of review scores, I think you can there's a, you can tell who you can trust and who you can't trust. Rolling Stone gave it three stars. Spin gave it average, but BBC unfavorable. I like that BBC's rating is unfavorable. <laughs> that is a very British way to say it. <laughs> it is. Be- the rating below that is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. And below that is, oh my. <laughs> and you got to do the monocle falling out with that too. Like, oh, right. Yeah, right into work. the champagne glass. Yeah. Wait. And that was for two live crew. I, I liked your I liked your British accent there, David. I, I specialize in accents, actually. My, all my accents sound the same. That's the you know my Jewish accent and my British accent are exactly the same, which sounds worse than it is. Uh, not really. It's 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 pretty bad, and it sounds oh, then bad. it sounds exactly as bad as it is. Then never mind. The uh, I don't know what we're talking. Yeah, no, sorry, Pat. Yes, that would actually no. I would love to do that. I think that would be um, one that I would be into probably more than you, but. Uh, but since it's your idea, I'm, I'd be totally stoked to do that. We just have to come up with a year to compare this one to you for the sake of the podcast that we're talking about. Dealing. 
So when you do the, uh, do you wear a peg leg and and uh, an eye patch, or does everybody wear something different? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? You said in uh, your email you couldn't do it between twelve and one because you have pirates class. Oh yeah, I did. No, I you know I might have been uh, that might have been my my lisp. I meant to say Pilates. I have an email lisp. Oh, you, you do Pilates by list. List by mean transposing L's and R's. Uh, I do do Pilates because, as I said, I, I guess I'm a, a middle-aged woman. But no, I do. But I didn't today actually because uh, the Pilates teacher didn't show up. Is so, it like in college where if they don't show up in five minutes, you can leave and still get credit? I I did get a credit, um, but unfortunately I didn't get a workout. Well, I did because I I went to the elliptical at then after she didn't show up, but. The problem with that was that I didn't bring my uh, iPod because I thought I was going to be doing Pilates. So there's nothing nothing worse than working out without music, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just watching the clock go on your goddamn machine. Uh, I'd say car accident would be worse. Well, I mean, that's, that's why this is a great country, the diversity of opinion. Um, you're obviously for open carry side sidearms or... I'd say this is guns. a terrible country. Right. See, there you go. Uh, exactly my point. We there's there's room for us all under this big tent on this big blue marble. We share. When you guys go to Sonic, do you feel like you have you need to have a gun with you? I've never been to Sonic. Oh, well, probably because you don't own a gun. Well, I I mean I do carry a gun to Sonic just because I always assume it's kill your own steer. But it's not. It's it's drive. I mean, they actually bring it right to your car. They don't even let you like sit down. You got to stay in your car. Is that true? It is a drive-through. Is, is I, it Sonic a drive-through? They a might have limited seating. There's not a lot around here, so um, I mostly went to them when I was uh, stationed in where in whatever shitty part of the country I was in in the army. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you know, Pat? Do they have Sonics there? Yeah, they they had. The, it's actually kind of weird. The two opened. Around the same time, and they, they closed up after three or four months. But there's still one around. Anyway, one of them had uh, people on roller skates bringing your food out, kind of old-fashioned. And you can go in, but there's not any seating inside. There is outside seating. Outside, so okay, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like a gas station where they have a bunch of things you can drive up to, and you talk into the thing, and they bring your food out to you. And they're supposed to have good uh, flavored sodas. Flavored they, soda water. Well, the one thing I remember about Sonic was they had tater tots, which was pretty nice for a uh, fast food place i i appreciated that but uh yeah you're you're bringing up the thing because uh of the news story about the the idiots bringing guns to sonic yeah sonic decided to say to people that they can't uh open carry at sonic and these guys one of their quotes was i'm afraid to go to sonic without my i wouldn't something like being afraid to go there without right. a gun wouldn't feel safe Feel, that's what it was. Not. A, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to say they were afraid. Just wouldn't feel safe. Is there a reason? I, again, I've never been to Sonic. Why would you feel unsafe to the point of bringing a gun? Well, I don't know if you remember David, but about twenty-something years ago, somebody shot up a McDonald's. So. Well, I I do remember that, but. Yeah, well, it's I don't see what your question is then. David, uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Did you know this country had the Second Amendment? I knew of it, yes. I was just trying to be 
real strident like i was like gun gun right supporter i don't know if i if, if i pulled it off i don't know i don't think you could be strident if you tried which obviously you just tried and you weren't so so i feel like those again. people have like I, I feel like they must fantasize about the attack happening and like jumping under the ta- over the tables and pulling out their gun and you know saving everybody and they must have these fantasies and like masturbate over that because they seem obsessed with with that happening again and them being prepared for it yeah uh, well I, I, mean, I, I go to a restaurant and it, it wouldn't even occur to me that it might happen nope not in a billion years um there uh, yeah i it's funny that these these people seem to only be acquainted with the second amendment uh to our constitution and and they don't understand that um that there are other other amendments that there are regulations on free speech is not completely free uh, even less so now than it than it has been in in our lifetimes um for for the worse so i can i i understand to a degree like yes it's it's our constitutional right to bear arms, no matter how word badly worded the the that amendment is is worded um, or is phrased, um, so I can understand them being like, you can't take this away, but putting limits on it is is not the same as taking it away. And I I think the problem is that there's no money in free speech. Like, there's no huge lobby that that has millions of dollars to spend on on working on our free speech like there is with guns there's tons of money to be made with guns right um which is which is why it's such a it's going to remain such a hot button issue personally i agree that as long as it is a um one of our one of our rights that we shouldn't be taking away people's guns obviously i don't even see how that's possible but i also uh, believe that the constitution can be changed and probably should in that instance but you know, that's just me. That was that was funny, wasn't it? That was that yeah. was one of the funniest. Hey, let's talk about abortion now. Oh, abortion. Well, you know, I think we should extend that till the the child is four years old. The abort. Oh, I agree. Especially in supermarkets, you should have the right to perform an abortion on on somebody up to the age of four yourself with a handgun. So I guess I'm going back on my previous stance. It all ties together. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, ridiculous. Sorry to go off on a rant. No problem. I just I I don't mind the rant. I just thought that the whole Sonic issue was more funny than than anything else. Just it's hilarious. So I I think it's like David says. I I think they are almost like masturbation fantasies. Like these guys in their heads are are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator or something. Um, and they're they're gonna save all us poor souls and all the fragile women and children. Um, from the evil terrorists who are no doubt sp- scoping out the Sonics of America right now. Oh, sure, yeah. It's yeah, it's so fucking weird. And what David said reminded me of that that internet meme where it's a picture and it says, "This is how I look to myself. This is how I look to everyone else, and this is how I look in reality." Have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just thinking of those gun guys where where they look to themselves as some action star with their gun, and then how they look to everyone else's. I don't know some fat dude with a <laughs> with their uh, gun hanging out their pants or something, right? Or maybe shooting themselves in the foot, or shooting somebody else in the foot by yeah, accident. I guess that's really well. It would be interesting to see statistics on 
uh, number of guns that were used to prevent, say, a home invasion or a a uh, mugging versus those that were used, like, a kid accidentally breaking into his parents' gun and killing himself or or just just thuggish, violent type yeah, crimes. The, the, you know? the NRA does not want you to see those figures. I would imagine not. Um, they it, do, but they added one to every all the ones that were good, and they subtract 10 from the other side this is it's it's always good when we talk about politics on this show i feel like i feel like it really draws people in um feels inclusive and and the laughs never stop mm-hmm. so thanks for bringing up sonic pat well the laughs, to be frank they never started so what i was you said they never stopped and i was saying they never started oh the laughs mm-hmm well, I wonder how DeWitt Burton feels on the subject. Fuck DeWitt Burton. That's something we can all agree on. I think Republicans and Democrats can come together on their hatred of DeWitt Burton. Exactly. What do we what do we think about Oswald Wizbo? I think yeah, could take take or leave him. I mean, it's obviously a fake name, so I approve of that. I mean, I think his work as an actual engineer was much better than his work as an assistant engineer. I think he 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 messed up a little bit. He you know he learned from his mistakes though, and he 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 got good at his job. Yeah, I mean, I I think there were probably a lot of this going around the studio. Oh, Oswald! And he said, "Please call me Wiz." Uh oh, you just pulled an Oswald. Wah, wah. And they were in a studio, so they actually had a sad trombone player there. Um, that would be awesome, just to have a trombone player follow you around. I yeah, I had yeah. Never mind. I, I'm not going to give away any more of my my million dollar ideas on this show. But okay, I, I had something for that, which I probably already said on the show. It would be uh, great. I mean, I think that's that's the American dream is to have enough to be able to hire a sad trombone manservant. Actually, along those lines, I I, I think I'd be cool to just have your own incidental music playing all the time. Because that way you would know when something bad was about to happen. Oh, it, it would be great. Especially, I would love like the the weird xylophone music that they play when uh, the skeletons dance and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm That's yeah, a... I'm down with that, David. I, this hmm. is this is a million dollar idea waiting to happen. I'm stroking my beard, and that's not a uh, euphemism. How how can we incorporate this into Google Glass? That's the thing. Mm. Because we'll get, the, we'll get the boys up in R and D working on it. Let's do it. Incidental music. Um, copyright free. I was watching, re- related to this, don't worry, I'm not changing the subject. I was watching a YouTube video that was describing uh, audio illusions, like optical illusions, but for your ears. And one of them is that there's a, a way that there's music can be made that it sounds like it's rising constantly. Like it's constant, so it sounds like it's volume. It's rising. No, not the volume, but you know how it's like it feels like it's getting to an edge, like you're going. Oh, like it's coming to a crescendo. Right, and it's constant, just the way it's written. I don't know exactly how it works, but anyway. Hmm. So if that were your incidental music, it would be really frustrating. It would. I would almost drive you insane. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm 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 voting no on that on David's uh, ballot measure. All right. Your loss. Well, do we have uh, recommendations? Did did you all bring them? Yeah, I've got one. I know. I kind of I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, 
I, I don't actually have one. Awesome. I, I thought we'd skip it for the REM episodes. Oh, okay. Because we're recommending uh, Around the Sun. Our, yeah. Everyone should listen to Around the Sun so they know what a good <laughs> REM sound, uh, album sounds like. Because just listen to any other one after. The Well, uh, I guess David and I kind of... Uh, Kind of recommended uh, Serial Killers by Too Much Joy. So. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, Pat, you can just go with uh, Reckoning. Yes. Listen to Reckoning, people. All right. Um, any more political uh, shit piles you want to step in, Pat, before we check off for the day? Check off, another euphemism. That was used on Star Trek quite a bit. Um. All right, I, I'll take that as a no. Well, thank you very much, David, for coming yeah, on again. Yeah, this um, was fun. Thanks a lot. And thank you for asking me. Thank you for no doubt uh, increasing our listenership for a period of one week. Right. Oh, and since it's increased, everyone who's listening and they're listening because David's on it, you should like our show on Facebook and send us messages about how much you like David and uh, write us highly on iTunes and tell your friends, so tell FODs about the show. Yeah, and write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. I don't think you, you spelled that out for him. But, uh, and if you'd like to be on the show, if you're a FOD who uh, thinks you have something to say, uh, hint, hint, uh, astronauts' wives. <laughs> um, very, very subtle. I thought it was. <laughs> We're the only three who, who know what I'm talking about. I, I might be able to arrange that. Oh, I, I would probably be too nervous. Oh, uh, pretty girl. <laughs> That's what I, I say before we have every guest, so I'm very nervous when David's on. D- yeah, David nervous. David does a great uh, version of my inner inner voice. It, it is kind of like Goofy. Oh, gosh. It um, also no, sounds British. No, yeah, you, you should arrange it. Uh, in fact, I, I demand that this person come on the show okay. and uh, account for herself. Or himself. We don't oh, know who we're it, talking about. It should be after the premiere of the show, so it can be an actual famous person. Okay, yeah. well, that'll be in uh, later on in the year. Well, I, I, I'm not sure we'll both be alive by that point, Pat, but one of us can can work with it. Um, but no, yeah, really, honestly, thank you, David. Thank you also on the breaks for uh, giving us more uh, secrets of the Writers Guild. No problem. Yeah, that that nobody's supposed to know, and, and now we have. So uh, it's always great to have you on, um, and hopefully you'll we haven't totally turned you off to this podcast and you'll want to come back. Sure. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. We, I think that'd be great. Yeah. You didn't say that very convincingly, Pat. I did not believe oh, that. I, I have an actual idea that <laughs> I wanted you to come in. That'd be I, really great. I didn't want to bring it up on the show and have you say, no, that's crap. I don't want to do that. I wanted, I was hoping you could come on to do the, the old version of, Oh, it'd be another re, uh, remake episode. The, the, right. the th- six, was it six ten to Yuma? Versus six ten or is a three ten Yuma? Yeah, they were, bo- they were both really good versions. So, I yeah, so that. I would, I think that would be fun, and we have already talked about it as the as a short story on the show. So, kind of covering everything. Yeah, it's done. All right, so uh, we will have David back, and uh, maybe somebody famous someday. Actually, David is quite famous. Yeah. Uh, well, but... he's our most famous <laughs> guest so far. Yeah, for sure, um, and he's famous in my heart and yeah. a little bit in my pants. I'll accept that. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Yeah. <laughs> 